This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 23, Three Strategies for Becoming a Retirement Income Expert. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. So we have reviewed a pretty awesome, fairly sophisticated exploration, everybody, of retirement income, what actually happens when you're entering into those years in life. So we're just super pumped to see this come to uh, fruition, come to conclusion in this episode on retirement income strategies and how to become a retirement income expert. So welcome, everybody, to Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Willis. In the studio with me today is Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Hello, everyone. So we've been talking about this uh, fairly sophisticated way to get through retirement without going broke, without having to rely on you know, our neighbors or our family, uh, hopefully as much as possible. Uh, and actually not just surviving retirement, but, but having it be the best years of your life to truly thrive in retirement. And what we've talked about here with our clients for many years now is thinking about retirement like a mountain. So mm-hmm. saving for retirement is kind of like climbing up a mountain. So, you know, think of this as sort of the best way you can sort of prepare yourself for that ultimate peak, that summit, when you're going to cash in your chips, when you're going to get that gold watch, hopefully a, a nice pension at your, uh, at your employer, and retire. That's kind of the peak of the mountain. And then, uh, so, you know, if you've got most of your uh, retirement savings in qualified plans or, or with Wall Street, for example, stocks or bonds and mutual funds, you might think of that metaphor of climbing up a mountain also sort of like it's about to erupt as a volcano and a couple of earthquakes, maybe a, you know, maybe a, uh, <laughs> like a, a blizzard happening all at once, right, Holly? Mm-hmm. Well, if you even kind of think about your assets as building up the mountain, you know, whether right. you're hiking up the mountain or building up, you know, yeah. seeing your assets accumulate over your working Ooh, like years that. kind of creates a, a mount, hopefully, a mountain-like appearance where you're slowly accruing going up, 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 and then you'll eventually hit a you know, the tip of it, which is when you're looking to retire. That's so true. And and again, most people who have savings toward retirement is not true savings, but what we call investing or speculation, mm-hmm. where that mountain is going up, up, down, yeah. up, 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 down, 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 down. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but but and, and once we get to that ultimate hike to the mountain, to the summit, uh, it's really it's interesting. I did some study before the recording here and only 15 percent of Everest climbers Mount Everest, climbers die on the way up the mountain. 85% of deaths happen on the way down, according to Scientific American. Mm. So 85%, most people don't make it back down Everest. That's where the trouble is. But they made it up. Yeah. They made it up okay. That's the hard part, right? I, you would think. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, um, Holly, any guesses on that? Why is that the climbers, mountain climbers, are having more trouble coming down? I really have no idea. Um, I mean, maybe it's that psychological thought process of they thought they were through the worst of it, so they weren't prepared enough for 
the end portion, you know, maybe they, they took it a little easier and somehow that affected their health in some way, or maybe it's, act- I mean, I've heard when it comes to like hiking and, and running and things like that, actually going down is harder. Um, it's more rigorous on your, your body, your joints, because you have that constant impact That's right. as you're hiking downwards. So, I, I mean, maybe if that's a part of it, but I, I really have no idea. <laughs> I mean, when Katrina and I, we, uh, we did climb up and then down Mount Fuji, and it was mm. coming down that I really thought, I will not survive this. I yeah. Will, I mean, you guys have had that experience too, you and Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When we when we've gone hiking, I mean, that's when you that's when your quads start burning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, your knees are aching, your heels are burning, your quads are burning. So, it's the body, but it's also the environment. You're tired, you're more exhausted coming down, mm-hmm. uh, and all that gravity is really pushing down on you. But anyway, the main thing to remember is most of us expect that climbing up Mount Retirement is the hard part, but truly Ask anybody already in retirement, they'll tell you very clearly the scariest years of your life, financially speaking, are how do we take this finite amount of money we've been able to scratch together over our working years, and now how do we make it last for an unknown number of years? That's just an impossible task. It's impossible, mm-hmm. you know, really to know exactly when we're going to die. No one knows the, that final day, so we've got to make this finite amount of money to last an untold number of years. So, Well, and arguably, I mean, you could say it's more important Right. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. or yep. like that, that's just the fact of it. You know, it's, it's more important how you, what you do after that point, once that peak is hit and you're trying to decide how you're going to come down the mountain, that's far more important than how you got there in the first place. So true. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I was doing some reading up on this Mount Everest phenomenon and it turns out the locals, they call them Sherpas, uh, are able to get up and down the mountain all the time. They're kind of the tour guides of the mountain. And so... You know, they're working off a very different set of assumptions. In fact, uh, the tools, the technology that Westerners bring usually to climb Mount Everest really just can't compare with the Sherpas, the locals there that have low-tech internalized tools like, you know, higher uh, oxidated blood vessels and the Mm -hmm. ability to live on less oxygen and so forth. So they've really internalized and really made just incorporated into their overall lifestyle uh, the up and down and the, the the uh, trouble of this mountain has become a part of their lifestyle. And mm-hmm. it's it's actually not really as big a problem for someone who's been acclimated and has built their entire life around it, right? Well, and, you know, doing it all day, every all day. All day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, you could almost say it's uh, it's built in with guarantees, right? <laughs> that they can climb up and climb down that mountain. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll help you up the mountain, but not down uh, those tools. Uh, and so we don't want to leave you stranded at the top. This is how most people in, in uh, investment planning, asset center management is really designed with most, you know, most investment firms, investment banks is really designed to help you climb up that mountain. I mean, their entire business model really, Holly, is built around the idea of assets under mm-hmm. management. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like a mountain that we're climbing up? But it's not assets distributed uh, in in retirement years, there's yeah. nobody's getting compensated for that. In fact, they're getting penalized every time you take money out for groceries. Mm-hmm. Or it's not called assets becoming income. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so doesn't that trouble you? I mean, that would trouble me if I was uh, looking at who do I want to work with for my retirement. So with all the tools and technology, let's get let's get some really specific things without taking this metaphor too far. What if we tackled retirement income? with a far simpler, more integrated, and even guaranteed solution than maybe the average financial planner can offer us. You know, what if we put some of the, in, some of the tools of, of yesteryear 
uh, right into our portfolio, something that gave us some sort of guarantee and predictability, much like those retirement income experts, or as, I, as we like to call them, the retirement Sherpas, uh, <laughs> have really taught us about for decades, really even centuries. You know, so we've really looked at, in the last few episodes, the tools of Wall Street. And I can tell you for sure that they will break, they will snap, they will wither in the harshest of conditions, the next recession, the next market collapse, the next real estate bubble, whatever is coming, deflation, stagflation, inflation. We need something more durable to ascend up Mount Retirement. And okay. more importantly, decent. And decent, <laughs> exactly. So just like the Sherpas, you know, there's simple financial solid tools that have been integrated deeply into the wealthiest and wisest people's portfolios for centuries, even millennia. Right. So we've looked at some that some of those tools that have been around for over uh, 2000 years, providing oxygen, the oxygen of income in, <laughs> uh, in our descent down Mount Retirement. So what are some of those powerful strategies? We're going to look at that together today. Uh, what we're going to focus on is the combination of whole life insurance and annuities to provide some guarantees and predictability as we descend down Mount Retirement. So even if you've got a big IRA with a bunch of mutual funds in it, that's OK, because you can trade those out if you choose to for more predictable tools to help you down Mount Retirement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your experience and your, your uh, research, Holly, on what we've seen, how, how Americans have really used some of these tools for years. Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting that when people hear, you know, whole life insurance and annuities, they sometimes will think, oh, like that's some newfangled <laughs> uh, invention or thing. And it's like, no, like, I mean, whole life insurance has been around uh, for for centuries. And I mean, Mark, you have you saw the oldest annuity contract uh, in right. I forget which mu which museum. I know we just yeah. mentioned it in down, another episode down uh, down in Hyde Park Orient Oriental Institute. Yeah. Back in episode 21, we talked a little bit about this. And yeah, it from is it a three two sixty four BC? Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Been around for a while. Just a little safe bit. to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, even that, it, it's not this new concept either to be using either of these instruments for savings right. and for retirement. I mean, back in uh, just nineteen hundred, half of all Americans' savings was held in life insurance and annuities. So, I mean, half. So you walk down the street and every other person you pass, they're holding some kind of savings and something for their future in life insurance or annuities, which they're both insurance products. Right. So insurance products were built into people's portfolios. I mean, they were a solid part of it um, even just, you know, 100 years ago. Um, and then back in, and by 1950, even still a third of families had whole life insurance as part of their financial portfolio. So, I mean, so we kind of look back in history and you think about what, you, what you've seen and the experience of, you know, yourself, your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. I mean, who was better off and better prepared for retirement? You know, was it oh, yeah. great grandpa or was it you? You know, yeah. chances are, I mean, it's it's really been the, the history that's played out here where, I mean, we're in a retirement crisis now yep. in this day and age, not necessarily in the past. Um, I mean, our our grandparents were, were retiring with ease mm -hmm. and, you know, these life insurance policies and annuities and insurance products were an integral part of them being able to retire with that certainty. So when people say, well, Mark, why isn't everybody doing this? I'll, I'll usually say, Everyone was. They were. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, the smartest, the wisest, the most affluent uh, that I come across still are. Mm -hmm. In fact, they've got it for their kids and their grandkids. And they, they get that this is a intergenerational cash play that'll provide security for generations to come. 
in tax free. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. So, isn't it interesting that you know you start listening to um, why certain things went through the Tax uh, Cuts and Jobs Act uh, and made it through unscathed, and other thing, other retirement vehicles and strategies got really dinged up. You know, whether it was the mortgage interest cap or you know any of the other strategies like you know putting the limits on certain deductibility of IRAs and and getting rid of the um, recharacterization of Roth IRAs. But interesting enough, life insurance and annuities weren't touched at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but I can presume and, in fact, go to public records and find that congressmen and women have a, major- a majority of their portfolios still wrapped up in insurance and actuarial products. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to spend the rest of our episode talking about today are three strategies for becoming a retirement income expert. And Holly, you've got really the first, looks like two, and then I've got one at the end here. So tell us a little bit about this one-two punch strategy that we use with a lot of our clients. Yes. So we call it a one-two punch strategy because it kind of incorporates using two different strategies at the same time. You know, so, uh, you know, one one comes along and delivers one punch and then the other one, the, <laughs> the other That's punch. Um, and really the, the reason for uh, this strategy and using two different products and vehicles to do it is we're looking to address two primary concerns or problems that people tend to face and experience in retirement. Um, so if you're in retirement yourself or you know someone that's been through retirement, uh, chances are they've expressed, you know, you know, one or or two um, significant problems that they've faced or that they've felt as being a concern. Um, and the first of those is longevity. And so, you know, that anytime someone's saying, oh, I hope my money makes it long enough, I hope I don't outlive my money, that's a longevity problem. It's a weird problem to have. How long am I going to live? Feels yeah. like, we- but it, you're right. Um, if I don't plan that correctly or if I'm too short, uh, then I'm back at Walmart working and saying, how may I help you? Yeah, and You can literally live too long. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, but we don't want that to be a problem. We don't actually want living too long to be a problem. We want that to be you know, an amazing blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we need to do then is come up with a product or a vehicle that addresses that problem and that need. So how do we eliminate the longevity problem? How do we eliminate this worry and concern revolving around living too long? So uh, the the product that we use for that is an annuity. Um, now, some people, just like our life insurance policies we've talked about, have their uh, first initial gut reactions when they hear the word annuity. And, you know, yes, certainly there are some uh, bad annuities out there, uh, just like every vehicle out there. There's, there's some bad versions and there's some not so bad versions. And actually, there's some really great annuities that are out there. And so um, certainly want to make sure you're working with the right one. But if you do have the right kind of annuity, it is a product and a vehicle that can provide you with guaranteed income payments for life. So no matter how long you live, you will have that same paycheck, that same amount arriving in your mailbox every single month for as long as you're here. How would it feel if even if you ran out of money, you would never run out of income? And that's that's the power of an annuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think of it sort of, and I think of it kind of like a river, a river. of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, just, just this concept that it's this never-ending stream of cash inflow that's never going to end. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, an annuity does not necessarily provide you with um, the opportunity to get access to large amounts of cash at any given time to cover, um, you know, big bills, but it's going to make sure that the monthly bills, the regular bills, the regular living expenses will be covered no matter what. Um, and so that's really what we're looking for um, to address that longevity problem. An annuity 
just comes alongside, knocks that problem out, and you can know since you have that paycheck that's going to come no matter what, that you can never you can never live too long because you'll never outlive it. Um, and so the second problem that you know people will face in retirement is liquidity. Um, so you know maybe we've addressed the liquidity problem by you know maybe they have a, a pension and annuity and those two work together, maybe even a little social security and you know the, the monthly bills are taken care of. They're solid. But you know what happens when the roof needs to be replaced or they need to buy a new car or um, any kind of big cash need comes up. They're like, oh well, I can't. I can't get more from my pension. I can't just take 50 grand from my annuity or social security to cover this. You're getting 2,500 a month. That's what you get. Thank, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's it. And there are some annuities that we work with, with income writers that do allow folks to get some access to the accumulation value or the savings. But mm-hmm. even still, it's, it's not as preferable as a uh, what would we use having, for liquidity? Having something else. Yeah, because yeah. you can get access to that, but it will affect your future income. Right. So if you tap into it and you take, you know, you take 50 grand out of that annuity, you can do it without penalty potentially, but you know, then you will see your income decrease. Get a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, we're wanting to now address this liquidity problem. So now what can we incorporate and what vehicle can we provide people that's going to give them that liquid access to cash so that they don't have to take from their annuities, they don't have to take from their income sources to make sure that um, these other needs can be taken care of. And so for that, uh, we're looking at you know, the bank on yourself, whole life insurance policies. Um, Just because they do provide that cash value that you can get access to at any given time for any given need. So really the two of these work together in this one-two punch strategy (laughs) where uh, you have the annuity that's coming along, uh, giving you that guaranteed income each and every month. And then you have the whole life insurance policy coming alongside it and providing you with that, um, you know, pool of cash you can draw from. And I guess kind of the analogy there for the life insurance policy is, you know, we think of that as your ocean of money. So if the annuity is your river, your constant stream of cash inflow, then the uh, life insurance policy, the boy plan is your ocean um, that you can just kind of reach into the ocean, you know, grab, grab a glass, you know, out of it and, you know, move on. No harm, no foul. Fabulous. Not to mention some of the tax advantages of the life insurance and the liquidity, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, right, if you really want a one-two punch with an extra side of fries, you can throw some speculative speculative stuff on top of all that. No problem. If you you have a market correction, you can wait around until they recover, which Mm kind of gets into our third strategy, but I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about laddering, uh, that, that laddering annuity strategy. Yeah. So you can, um, you know, again, within the annuity field, um, so kind of in that regard of helping people get income set up for the rest of their life that they count out live, um, you can do what's called laddering your annuities. And essentially what this does is actually helps you get pay raises throughout. Um, So just like, you know, some cases with Social Security and and pension, you know, it might be a locked in a set amount of income. Um, But let's just say you start taking that income at 65. Well, what's that income buying you at 75 or 85 versus what it was buying you when you first retired? Um, Inflation. You know, you Mm want to make sure Mm -hmm. that you're accounting for inflation. Otherwise, your buying power is going to be eaten up each and every year leaving you with less and less, essentially. Perfect. Um, And so what we do with these laddering annuities is you might start one of the annuities when you're 65, when you retire, and that's going to provide you X number of dollars of income. 
But then you're going to have another annuity that maybe you start at the same time as the first one, but we're not going to turn on the income from that one for maybe uh, five years. And then you could even have a third annuity that you would turn on in 10 years after you retire. Um, And each of those are going to provide you a new income amount. Mm -hmm. So essentially what we're doing is kind of creating this dynamic where every every year, every five years, every 10 years, whatever you determine is the best fit, um, you'll be getting a new paycheck that will be added on top of what you're already getting. So let's say you have a lump sum in your 401k of $600,000. And let's say that you decide you want to put open up six annuities. Now, why in the world would someone do that? (laughs) So you do $100,000 into each of the six annuities that you start on day one, and you turn the income on for the first one. And then you wait five years, get the nice paychecks uh, from that one. And then five years later, you start the second one and you keep getting the first income, but now you've got the second one too. And you just do that every five years for 30 years, five times six, 30 years. Now all six annuities are cranking out your paychecks and keeping keeping you um, keeping you honest with inflation. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Let's spend a few moments as we wrap things up. Our last strategy here is what we call taming a bear market. Uh, this is where you take income from a market-based IRA uh, when markets are up, and then you take from the whole life insurance for income when markets are down. So this gives you a ton of flexibility with your retirement income portfolio. When you've got whole life insurance, you don't have to really freak out too much when the markets crash. So, uh, you know, using S&P 500 returns from 1973 to 1992, we ran some figures on a guy that we'll just call Ben. And, you know, five of the years during that period of time were negative, and uh, they were down actually in the first two years. Uh, so these numbers obviously aren't going to factor in fees and fund expenses. I just wanted to run some simple numbers to show you guys how this strategy might work. So let's say Ben decides to withdraw $75,000 from his account at the start of each year uh, or the required minimum distributions, let's say, if if he needs to pull those out, if greater. And he's going to be taxed on ordinary income rates uh, to Ben at that point. So uh, what we have here in in a a chart that we'll include in the show notes is Ben starts with uh, a balance of about a million bucks. And he starts to take $75,000 a year over 30 years with some up and down in the market, up and down and up and down. And after uh, the period of time when he's from age 65 to age 85 for 20 years, his retirement balance has dropped down to 429,000 bucks. So he's he's actually started uh, to see that withdrawal in his balance. He's gonna leave less to his family. He's starting to wonder, well, am I gonna keep living here? I've got you know less than half than what I started with. So, you know, this is based on our assumptions. Ben's going to be able to pull about $1.5 million from his IRA. And at the end of that 20-year period, his ending balance will be 429000 And after two years, only just two years, he's already down to approximately 500000 bucks, which is half of what he started with. How would that make you guys feel, you know, listening to this, uh, listening to this episode? How would it feel to, to see your account balance go from a million to down to just mm-hmm. 500000 after just two years of your retirement. That would scare me. Mm-hmm. You know, right, Holly? I mean... Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd be having panic attacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's how this strategy works. When, when time comes, uh, let's say that Ben, instead of just pulling from his IRA every year, fortunately, let's say Ben had an, an alternate source of retirement income that's not going to be directed by markets or impacted by changes in, in drops in the stock market. Uh, so let's say he buys some insurance back when he was 45, uh, let's say he packed in about 13 grand a year and his policy was designed to be paid up at age 65. So Ben starts uh, packing money into that whole life policy. And basically the general idea of this strategy of taming a bear market is let's say when the market drops 
instead of Ben continually taking out, automatically taking out $75,000 a year out of his IRA, when he notices his market account is dropping, he just doesn't touch it. So that way he's not adding to the pain of that down market, mm-hmm. right? Not getting hit twice. Exactly. Yeah. So instead, in those good years or in the down years, he'll start drawing money out of his um, life insurance. And that's actually a tax-free distribution if he pulls the money out through withdrawals and loans. And that means he can pull $54,000 out of his uh, whole life insurance rather than a taxable withdrawal of 75000 from his IRA. Mm-hmm. And so when those four or five years, uh, let's see, the five down years uh, are basically the years he decides to pull from his whole life insurance, every other year while the markets are climbing up, 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 uh, he's able to go ahead and pull the 75 taxable out of his IRA. At the end of the day, if all he did was take from his whole life insurance for five years, every other year was his IRA's money. The five years it was down. Correct. The, the down, market was the, down. The five years throughout the 20-year period that the market was down. Thank you, Holly. Okay. Uh, it starts at a million dollars. Remember, his balance started at a million. Uh, and over those same S&P 500 results, if the years when he's when the markets are down, he pulls from the whole life insurance. At the end of 20 years, when he's 85, he'd have not 400 and what I say, 429,000, mm-hmm. but instead he'd have $2.6 million between his whole life and his IRA. So that gives him some assurance that he's not going to run out of money. And very likely it'll be a great gift to his spouse or his kids someday down the road. That's just pulling from the, the whole life when markets are down. That's as simple as it gets. Wow. And and actually the 2.6 doesn't include the oh, cash right. value of yeah, the whole life. I mean, that's right. just the IRA. Mm-hmm. That's just the IRA balance. So yeah. he was able to over double his IRA during his retirement years while taking income. It's amazing. Instead of cutting it in half. Wow. I mean, almost, I mean, 150%. It's, it's so simple. Uh, and so what I'm just struck by is it's clear how Wall Street has really left us stranded at the top. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they helped us get there. Maybe not. Maybe it was a disaster and we fell into a, a crack in the retirement mountain or something. <laughs> uh, after Got one lost of those, in there yeah, for a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Got eaten by the trolls of fees and everything. <laughs> uh, but so we've been left working harder, getting up that mountain, which is full of market crashes, earthquakes, setbacks. If we even get to the top, Who's going to help us get back down? Where's the retirement income guide going to mm-hmm. come from? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our strategies, the way we've seen uh, works, it's proven, it's using actuarial science. You know, we're not re- relying so on- So not, not guesses? Yeah. Yeah. What? Isn't that, what, a, what a concept, no, right? No, I want to I guess my <laughs> retirement. I, I want the thrill yeah. of, you know, knowing, not knowing if I'm going to have income next year. Hey, you know, if, if we're, if we're going to make some uh, guesses, why not do it with something that we can't undo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is a proven strategy, guys. It's, it works. It's a fabulous stress-free way to both get up the mountain predictably and descend down the financial mountain and do it with some strategies that have worked for Americans for generations. And mm-hmm. and I I just can't imagine doing it any other way. So any other final thoughts, Holly, on these three three strategies? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, again, like you said, they're, they're tried and true. They're proven to work. And it's it's not so much about necessarily, you know, which one's better and, and which one is um, going to get me the most growth on my money. I mean, sometimes it can be so exhausting to hear those comments over and over again, but it's just about eliminating the question mark, you know, and it's like when you get to the top of Mount Retirement and you're ready to start going down it, you know, do you want the entire pathway down to be a question mark or do you want it to be a certainty? 
And that's what we're talking about here. You know, just figuring out how we can make that a certainty for you rather than just this big old question mark of, am I going to live too long? Am I going to hit a certain age where, I mean, God forbid, you're just like, I'm just chugging along, but I I need to stop, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, because I can't afford to keep going. And, and, you know, again, also, I mean, so many people um, having the desire to not be a burden on their families. And I mean, you name it, the things that can come up. It's it's so true. And, And give it a shot. Why not put some of your portfolio into something like this and just see how you like it? You know, mm-hmm. you can always go back to what you're doing now. Yep. All right. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.